in today's Live Treasured podcast, From Polygamy to God's Purpose. Welcome, Treasure Tribe. I'm so glad that you're here inside of our podcast where we share with you how the power of God's word can literally change and transform your life. And that is certainly the testimony and beautiful story of our guest today, Doris Hansen, who is the founder of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. A Shield and Refuge ministry provides hands-on assistance to those who have fled or are seeking to separate from a fundamentalist group or a polygamist lifestyle. Now, Doris was born into polygamy, but she escaped when she was 18. And she's here today to share her story, not only of how she escaped, but how the Lord would bring her into a beautiful relationship with him that would not only change her life and how she saw God, but inspire her to reach out to others who are caught in the grasp of polygamy so that they can live out God's purpose too. Before I begin uh, to share with you my interview with Doris, she was so fabulous to take time out of her day and share her story with us. I want to share with you why I was inspired to share um, her story. And that's because uh, about three years ago, uh, because when I drive out of my um, neighborhood, there is a Mormon church uh, that's right on the street. And I would see this church as I, you know, pass by every single day And I would begin to see, and so it kind of piqued my curiosity. Um, And I knew basic things about what the Mormons believed, um, but I didn't know uh, deeply. And in fact, you know, one day I saw the Mormon missionaries they had on their white shirts and their black ties. And I thought to myself, you know, if a Mormon missionary showed up at my door, would I know what to say? Would I know enough about what they believed? to be able to evangelize to them, right? And so I began this journey of understanding and uncovering and learning more about what the Mormons believed. And part of my journey was hearing Doris Hansen's story and connecting with her ministry to hear the stories of others. And what I learned blew me away. And I think it's important to share this with you. And I believe that you're going to be so blessed today by what she has to share. Now, unfortunately, the very beginning of my interview with Doris was somehow cut off. So I'm just going to give you the background of what she began with so that we can uh, just go from there. So I had asked Doris, uh, you know, how polygamy was started. And she explained to me that Joseph Smith, who was the founder of the Mormon church, claimed that he received a revelation from God 
um, to restore Old Testament polygamy. And that he taught to his followers not only that polygamy should be restored, but that it was also necessary for salvation. Now, when Joseph Smith died, polygamy did not die with him. And this is where my interview with Doris begins. She uh, is explaining about um, Brigham Young, who you've probably heard Brigham University, and how um, he continued this practice of polygamy. Brigham Young took over the Mormon church, and he, he dove into polygamy hook, line, and sinker. And he, uh, they had trouble. They were living in Nauvoo, Illinois, uh, Illinois the, the Mormons were. Brigham Young took them west, led them west in wagon trains, and settled in Salt Lake City, where he, he was the president of the church, and he had 56 wives. Uh, he, married, uh, <laughs> he married many of Joseph Smith's plural widows. Wow, 50, 56 wives. So this, yes. so this is, let me just, so this is Brigham Young of Brigham Young University. Yes, yes, that Brigham Young. Okay. The second president of the Mormon church. Okay. And okay. he taught uh, on polygamy, and, and his sermons were, many, many of his sermons were expounding the virtues and the requirements of polygamy. And he even taught that you could not become a god unless you lived polygamy. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, of course, the Mormons believe that you could become gods. <clears throat> Wait, let me just hang on just a second. They believe that you can become gods. Yes. Okay. If you're a good enough Mormon, you can become a god when you die. Okay. You can be exalted into heaven. You'll get your own planet that you'll be god of. Wow. And early Mormonism taught, and polygamists today still teach, that when a man becomes a god, he needs several wives so that he can populate his planets that he is their god of. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So he needs a lot of wives to populate those planets in the heaven, in the spirit world. Mm -hmm. It's a strange doctrine, but that's what they believe. We were taught that all of our lives growing up. Wow. That's what the young taught. Wow. But he thought you cannot become a god unless you are a polygamist. And that's wow. the highest exaltation a human being can get on this earth. According to them. To to and so, and, and this, this was the part that kind of just really blew me away. Although, Doris, I have to say the 50, was it 54, 56 wives? Brigham Young? Yes. Yeah, okay, that... That might have just topped it, but anyway, I just can't even get my little head around that one. But, yeah. but what, um, you know, what blew me away was that I did not know that I, I knew that there were polygamous sects that ex accept polygamy, but I did not know that it was a requirement and a command for salvation. It was in the early Mormon days, and it still is in the Mormon polygamy groups. Mm. The Mormon church itself has renounced polygamy mm -hmm. for the time being. Mm -hmm. So they don't teach that anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they do teach that um, marriage, celestial marriage is what they call it, is required to go to heaven. 
Wow. So even, so, um, and, and there are, and just so, because I was blown away by this too, uh, there are lots of polygamist sects all around the United States, even though yeah. polygamy uh, is illegal. Um, and they, they operate this way because they believe that you need to be a polygamist or else you're damned. Correct? Okay. And then the, the LDS church, the Mormon church broke, broke away from that or said, you know, we're not going to teach this anymore. However, they do still require celestial marriage. And Doris, what is celestial marriage? In the early days, Joseph Smith coined the word celestial marriage, which referred to polygamy. It okay. was plural marriage okay. in the early days. Okay. However, when the Mormon church finally let go of polygamy because the United States government forced them to, mm-hmm. when they finally let go of it, they changed it. They redefined the word celestial marriage to mean uh, marriage rituals in their temples. You had to be sealed to your wife eternally. And if you weren't, then you'd be single in heaven and you would never be able to become a god and um, populate your own planets. Wow. And so now, celestial marriage is sealing a woman, sealing man and a woman together in a Mormon temple mm-hmm. so that you'll be married in heaven. And that is just unbelievable to me right. that there is. is a faith that exists. Or, or I guess I should say, Doris, um, because really, you know, a, a Religion teaches that you have to do A, B, C, D to get to God. Um, yes. But still, I think that it it just makes me appreciate grace. And yeah. I, I can't even fathom um, the um, environment uh, inside of polygamous groups that is created for abuse and um, just emotional um emotional pain can you um share with us when because you were born correct into the kingston group which was one of the one born in a polygamous group in a polygamous family in the kingston polygamy group yes can you share with our audience um what what are some of the um abuses that were that or just some of the pain that you saw that you experienced yourself in inside of that environment um, I can express what I saw and experienced myself. Unless you experience it, though, it's very difficult to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother was a second wife. My dad had two wives at the same time, and my mother was his his second wife. Uh, we did not live together in the same home as I was growing up. We lived, um, uh, well, probably about an hour, an hour uh, two apart from each other, the mm-hmm. families did. But my mother was lonely. I, re- I saw her grief. I saw her loneliness. I saw her tears. Uh, she would go in her bedroom and lock her door and pray, and I would hear her sobbing as she was praying and wondered why God never answered her prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't understand why at that time, but I, of course I do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my mother took out some of her frustrations or most of her frustrations and her loneliness on the kids. Mm. We 
very, very much abused Mm -hmm. physically as well as emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, But not only that, their dogma in polygamy is perfection. Uh They don't know grace. Mm -hmm. They don't know mercy and Mm -hmm. forgiveness. Mm -hmm. It's perfection. You be perfect or God hates you. Mm. You be perfect. No matter how good you are, you can always do better. So strive to do better. And so... Uh, and so we're demeaned and shamed and guilt-ridden, and it, it, it's just a, a very hopeless life, just hopeless. Yeah. Yeah. I was 16 when I decided I was going to run away when I turned 18 because I couldn't, I couldn't imagine mm-hmm. living this all my entire life, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. I bet so that I took a tremendous <laughs> amount of courage uh, to... No, not courage, desperation. Desperation. (laughs) Well, praise God for that, right? You know, you mentioned that earlier. I don't think that if you're you're not a rebel, you don't get out of one of those groups. You have to be a rebel to do it. Yeah, yeah. So so you were 16 when you made the decision um, Mm -hmm. that you were going to leave. Did you leave right away or did it take some time and... How did I left you do right it? after I turned 18 okay. years old. Okay. I had to be legal age or else they would make me come back. Oh, wow. But, you know, I, I think I'll say something here. My yeah. my father, we couldn't ever call him father. We could not ever be acknowledged as his being my father mm-hmm. or we his children because polygamy is illegal. Mm-hmm. So he was just a family friend. Mm-hmm. But he told me when I was 16, which helped make my decision, that he was going to see to it that I got to heaven if he had to kick me all the way there. Wow. You know, that, uh, you, how, who wants to go to a heaven where you have to be kicked all the way there? Yeah. So, and it wasn't yeah. until years, years, years later when I did become a Christian and started studying the Bible that God doesn't want his heaven filled with people who were forced there. We choose no. God. Yeah. And, and it was at the time my dad said that that I said uh, to myself, I'm out of here. I, yeah. I don't want you to want to be here. Yeah, yeah, wow. Okay, so you, you turn 18, and how did you get out? Well, I had a friend who I had met at school, and I never told her I, that we were a polygamous family, but I told her my dad was abusive, and he was. He was physically abusive, too. He would beat me up whenever he thought I did something wrong. Um, but I told her that he was abusive and I needed to get away. So mm-hmm. she helped arrange that I could get out mm-hmm. uh, and live with a friend of hers. Mm-hmm. And so I escaped in the middle of the night, took a little bag of clothes and things, got in and have many personal items, wow. and I was gone. Wow. And I didn't contact my mother for six weeks. I wanted her to be sure that I was not coming back before I ever called her because I knew that they would try and force me back. Yeah, yeah. Did you have any money or or anything? No, no, I had nothing. Wow, I know that took. I mean, it. That's awesome. That's (laughs) awesome. Um, that you uh, that you made that choice and um, to leave. Um, and and one thing you know, I had just mentioned money. Another thing that I've learned through listening to your YouTube channel that is, it's very bothersome to me that even our government is not doing more to stop this because of the children. And um, I, 
Can you share with our audience about the poverty that many of these children inside polygamous groups experience? Because, you know, Doris, you know, we'll see it on TV and they're wearing the coiffed hair and the, you know, the dresses and the children are running around and, um, but there's extreme poverty that many of these children um, are are living in. Can can you shed some more light into your experience with that? Uh, the coiffed hair is from a different polygamy group than the okay. Kingston group that I grew up in, but it's still based on the same foundation, okay. uh, the same doctrine. The Kingston group requires every dime, every dollar, every penny of a person's uh, that a person makes to be turned in to their group. They call it consecrating their money. Uh-huh. And you can't get that back without their permission. If you make $100 uh, and you give it to them, you have to, you're have you supposed to give it to them to be a good member. Mm-hmm. And then if you need $50 to pay a bill, they have to okay it. So your money is not yours. It belongs wow. to God. Well, actually, in reality, it's the greatest of all pyramid schemes because mm-hmm. it's the leadership who has access to that money. No one else does. And mm-hmm. they use it according to whatever they want. If mm-hmm. they want to take trips to Hawaii, they do. If they want to buy their 15th plural wife a big diamond ring, they do. Mm-hmm. And and it's all skimmed from the top. Um, yeah. And so when you give all of your assets to a group of people, and then they withhold it, you getting it back. There's nothing but poverty. Mm-hmm. They tell you God needs the money. If you don't, if you take out your money, then His kingdom, which they think is themselves, mm-hmm. His kingdom cannot grow. So you need to leave your money in the group so we can use it to grow His kingdom. And so it's forced poverty and more in shame. That yeah, forced but, poverty, and right. and then and then that they, they are worth. Well, the last figure I heard, they were worth almost a billion dollars. Oh, my word. Um, and I don't know if that's, I, I have no idea because mm-hmm. they're secret, so secretive, we don't know. But I, they own multiple dozens of properties and businesses throughout the Intermountain West. So they wow. are very lucrative. And their people do live in poverty, yes. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. And, um, and, and so children um, grew up in poverty and... Um, I, I even remember one story from uh, your show of uh, a woman who it talked about eating through the garbage. Like this was yes. normal, a normal yes. um, occurrence. Yes. They'll go to the uh, grocery stores, uh-huh. the big de- grocery department stores, uh-huh. and uh-huh. search their dumpsters after hours yeah. and get the food that they've thrown away for their dinner table. <sighs> yeah. So that... That bothers me that there's not um, more that's done um, to address this because of the children. Um, and then, of course, um, there's brainwashing that goes on inside it because you don't, you know, uh, did, did you did they have a school at the Kingston group or? They didn't when I was growing up, but they do now. Okay. They do now. Okay. And we lived out in the country. We lived on a farm, and so we were isolated from from. Most everybody, right. the people in the group, as well as um, normal society, we were pretty isolated. Yeah, wow. But we did go to public school when I was growing up. Right, right. 
Um, and so, so, but, but you were um, inspired through desperation, um, and there, there's courage in there. You've got to, you've got to say, you've got to receive a little bit of that, Doris, and and you, you left um, at 18, uh, but the leaving at first, um, that was not the end of the story. What happened next? Well, when I left, I left, I also left God behind. I had wanted nothing to do with God. I did not become an atheist. I absolutely believed there was a God. Mm -hmm. I just didn't like him. Right. Uh, he was the God of the polygamist. He was the God they taught me about, but he, yeah. of course, wasn't the true God of the Bible. Yeah. But because I didn't know that they had uh, taught us lies about God, mm -hmm. I just didn't want to have anything to do with him. So for yeah. the next 25 years... I was living a life where I wanted to be financially secure mm -hmm. and worked and worked, worked hard. Mm -hmm. um, I had one son mm -hmm. and became a single mother for many mm -hmm. of those years. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it was, it was a hard life, but then life is hard for everybody in certain aspects. So it wasn't just because I was from polygamy, but I still carried along all that guilt that I had left the only true kingdom of God, mm -hmm. that I had chosen to go to hell for leaving, mm -hmm. and I really truly believed that when I died, I would go to hell because I left the Kingston polygamy group and didn't leave polygamy. Wow. That was, that I, I had stuffed it, but it was deep down in my soul. Yeah. And yeah. it was a burden. I really couldn't see that now more than I could at the time. Um. When I was 43 years old, uh, I was at work, and I was behind my desk, and a man brought in some books, mm -hmm. and he said, hi, I'm so-and-so, never met him before in my life, mm -hmm. but he said, I'm a former Mormon, and mm -hmm. I have read these books, and it certainly gave me a better outlook on what Mormonism is all about, and I don't know what to do with them now because I'm done with them. So I'm going to leave them with you. And if you want them or if you want to give them away. Mm. And I didn't do religion. I didn't do God. Mm -hmm. So I ignored them. Mm -hmm. But this is all from God and he wasn't going to let me ignore them. Very right, long. right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started thumbing through the books and some of them and and some of them were from Sandra and Gerald Tanner, who did a lot of research on Mormonism for, mm -hmm. for Mormons themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, four of them were cassette tapes from a preacher by the name of Walter Martin. I had never heard a Christian preach before in my life. And another book was called Mormonism, Mama and Me, written by Thelma Gear. That's the book that caught my attention. Uh, but uh, still, I was afraid to really live anything religious because mm -hmm. I did not want to hear about Mormonism anymore. I'd had enough of it. Right, right. Um, but as I was, I'd thumb through the book and I'd open a page here and there and read something and close it real quickly because I didn't want to get involved. I didn't want to get mm -hmm. caught up in it. Mm -hmm. But one day as I was doing that, I came across a phrase, three mm -hmm. words, and that's what changed my life. And it said, Jesus loves you. Mm. Um and I had never heard that before. I had never heard that God loved me. Ever. Really? When I was growing up, God didn't love me because I wasn't perfect. And mm. he was ready to, to get me. He was ready to strike me with lightning because I had left the polygamy group. That was my mindset. Mm. So to see on paper that God loves me, mm. 
I, I started to cry. And I thought wow. to myself, I need to know more about this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I thought I'd just go ahead and read the book. You don't take much yeah. chance. Yeah, yeah. Read the book. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did. And actually what that did was I was given myself permission to start to investigate what I'd been taught all my life. And in reading that book, I discovered what the Mormons were, who they really were, what they were really like. Their early days where they were so cruel and mm-hmm. ungodly mm-hmm. and um, and vicious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and after I was finished with that book, I knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that Mormonism was not true, was not from God. I did not have to worry that I had left the only way to heaven. And that is where I knew I could start looking other places to know that who God is. And where did that lead you? Did that well, lead you to a certain church? it led me to some of the other material that that man had left, but uh-huh. it also led me to the Bible. Mm. Now, I wasn't a Christian yet. Mm-hmm. I was not looking for God. I want you to know that right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't look for God, but right. I was interested to know what's going on here. You know, right. why was I taught? So Brigham Young was so godly when so, he was. So Doris, did 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 uh, they they don't teach the Bible? Did you not read the Bible inside of the Mormon Church or um, or inside of your polygamist group? It was, you know, what's really odd is they they do not believe the Bible is trustworthy. They don't believe it's been translated correctly. Uh-huh. However, if they want to make a point, for instance, polygamy is in the Bible, therefore it's okay to live polygamy. So mm-hmm. they'll use the Bible to back up some of their odd doctrines. Mm-hmm. They'll misuse the Bible, I should say, to back up some of their odd doctrines. But if you quote the Bible to them, they can't trust it. Wow. So they do, wow. really, they don't, they'll read the Bible, but only to, when they find something that supports what they believe. So they have twisted to do that. So when you were learning by experience growing up that God is, um, a God expects perfection and he couldn't love you because his love is based on what you do, um, right. And that, you know, you, when you left, you were damned and go to, you know, damned to go to hell, but, uh, you didn't know that God was different because nobody had ever. I had no idea God loved me. I had no idea. Yeah. Because you never had the word of God. Um, and, and didn't want anything to do with it. Of course. I mean, if, you know, who wants to. Be in relationship with a whack-a-mole God, you know, just whack-a-mole, you know, right? So, but so, so you found these books, but then that led you into the Word of God, and and how did that, how did that change you? Well, it's interesting because it was I was kind of propelled, and you know, I know now the Holy Spirit had gotten a hold of of my heart and was bringing me to the point to where um, I would study on my own and learn on my own rather mm-hmm. than having the filter of Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you grow up in a cult, you have a filter in your head mm-hmm. that you, every, all your information filters through that. And, yeah. and so you filter, you can filter out the truth very easily. Yeah. Um, so I had to read the Bible without that filter. Yeah. And that's what God was doing to me. When I knew that uh, the Mormon church wasn't true, Mm-hmm. I wasn't reading through the Mormon filter anymore. Mm. Um, 
However, I still did not know we could trust the Bible. Until I came across a verse, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, where it says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Yeah. And I looked at that verse, and I thought, God promised yes. <laughs> that his word yes. would not be corrupted. And at that moment, it was just a, the miracle of God. I knew suddenly, I just knew everything I read in the Bible I could trust. Mm. And that's when my journey really went into high gear, <laughs> when I really started to read. You mentioned um, one um, chapter of Scripture in particular. Um, I believe it was First John 4. Um, how did that um, scripture help? Because I'm assuming that, you know, you you started diving into the truth, but um, just like everybody in their own faith, it takes time to unlearn uh, what what yeah. we've learned. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming the guilt and the shame would, you know, those feelings might come back, and then, you know, just that struggling or renewing your mind through that. Tell me about First John 4 and why that was significant to you. It's so significant because in that chapter, it tells us that God is love yes. and that we are made perfect in his love. Oh. And perfect love drives out fear. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. those, now the whole, there's more in that chapter than just that. And mm-hmm. it's a beautiful chapter, the mm-hmm. whole thing. But, uh, but those three phrases spoke to me so powerfully because Mm -hmm. I was Mm guilt-ridden. I was burdened with fear and guilt, had been all my life. Mm -hmm. And and now as a Christian, I had to learn how to unload that. When and and when when of course when I got saved, Jesus takes away your sin. Yeah. But you still have to learn how to live in that new freedom. Yes. And have to learn to live in that grace and in that love. Yes. Yes. I still halfway expected God to strike me with lightning, you know, but that was just through habit, not through believing the truth. Right, right. But what I liked was perfect love drives out fear. Yeah. Uh, Cults, Mormonism is a cult, and so is the polygamy group. Mm -hmm. Um, Cults will, their their foundation is fear. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. hold you captive by fear and guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. And, and so I thought, well, if God loves me and perfect love drives out fear, I don't need to fear all this that I have been fearing all my life. Yeah. So it itself is also a, a new realm of freedom. Wow. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, so, so was, um, how, how did the promises in the Bible knowing those, um, how did those impact uh, also this journey of letting go uh, of of the old and, and taking on the new? Well, as I would read through the Bible, one day I was sitting, sitting at my desk reading the Bible, mm-hmm. and I, I looked up, and I spoke to my, I was alone, and I just spoke to myself, and I said, what am I doing? I don't like the Bible. I don't like it. What am I doing? I'm reading this. I'm loving it. And mm-hmm. I'm understanding it. It's all, a, uh, it's amazing that mm-hmm. all this is going on. And, and hear me, an anti-God mm-hmm. <laughs> a person 
uh, just having her nose in the Bible as many hours a day as she can. Uh, so it was totally, totally different. And the word does wash you. It does cleanse you. Jesus said, yeah. you're washed by the water of the word. Amen. And I experienced that in, mm. in every level of mm. doctrine and of grace and truth and freedom. Um, but I think that um, the most profound was when I hit on to Ephesians chapter mm-hmm. 2, verses 8 mm-hmm. through 10. Mm-hmm. 9, 10 also were, were profound for me. I got saved after reading those two passages Did that you... were saved by grace, yes. not by faith, or not Amen. by works. And when I read those three words, not by works, I hit the ceiling. I yeah. did. I, I, you should have been there seeing me. <laughs> I stood up from my desk and I screamed at the Bible. What do you mean not by works? <laughs> uh-huh. That's beautiful. That's and, beautiful. And having been raised on works, if you haven't been raised on works, you don't quite get how profound that is, that yeah. works is not part of salvation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I thought of my mother, and I thought of my brothers and sisters, and I still mm-hmm. have three sisters in the polygamy group. Mm-hmm. And I thought of them and all the hard work they're doing to try to please God so they can go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that, not of works. Yeah. What is this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and that, the grace, oh my, you're on cloud nine. You know, right. you just go up there and you don't lose, you don't ever come back. <laughs> right, right. It, it is so freeing. So, so did you surrender to the Lord like right in that moment after Not reading? In that moment, no. In fact, this is really weird too because I was so amazed by grace that uh, that in itself just put me on the cloud. Mm-hmm. But uh, I still had to read some more and I. I, I, I knew I needed to, to get saved, but I said, no, I don't think I better do, I don't want to do that right now, because if I do, God will want to change me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why, and why I did that, I don't know, that wasn't very clear thinking, because my life was not, you know, with joy and happiness, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I put it off, yeah. and, and I really didn't have any intention of doing it. I just mm-hmm. wanted to learn what I was learning. Mm-hmm. And then one day as I was driving home from work in, in crazy, crazy work traffic, I mm-hmm. almost got in an accident, and, and I thought, my word, I could get hit and killed, and then I really would go to hell, and I would know yeah. why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I decided, well, I better, I better, I better surrender to surrender Jesus, to and the so Lord. I did. Yeah, and yeah. And it, that is the point. But it was right after reading those verses. Wow. And then life. And what, another strange thing is Mormonism teaches us that feelings is the barometer of truth. Mm. And if we feel something, then it's true. If we feel mm-hmm. good about it, it's true. If we don't feel good about it, it's not true. Mm. And I did, when I got saved, when I prayed to Jesus and asked him to save me, mm-hmm. um, I didn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. And there were no lightning bolts. There was no little shivers or goosebumps. There was nothing. There was right. nothing. Right. And I thought, well, then I must not be serious. <laughs> right. But I, I was. And I thought, well, how can I be more serious than this? Yes, yes, yes. And that's so uh I, I, 50 times. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. There's, there's somewhere, said, somewhere that said, did you pray to, to get saved? Well, if you did, then 
what did God lie or did he tell the truth? Did he save you or not? That's and right. That kind of confirmed it to me. Well, yeah, I don't have to feel it. I just have to trust. Amen. Amen. And, and that's that's the the corner I turned on that. Boy, I that is such a beautiful um beautiful awesome salvation story and um just reminding me again the beautiful gift of grace. Um, but I also to all, everybody listening out there today, um, because, you know, I think a lot of times we as Christians try to pull, uh, pull perfectionism back into our relationship with God performance. Mm -hmm. And I want you to just remember Doris's testimony. And if you need to look up those verses, um, in first John, uh, four or Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, remember the grace and don't take it for granted. Enjoy it and receive it. Um, no matter how the enemy's making you feel about guilt or, or shame or, or whatever, um, uh, because this gives us the ability to not only live in, in the freedom that the Lord has uh, given us, but also so that our lives can be used um, to pour back into others. And that leads me to the next thing that I'm so excited to share. So how, because I'm dying to do this. So you have uh, a ministry called Shield and Refuge Ministry. Um, so how, tell me the story behind how the Lord led you to start that ministry. Well, after I became a Christian and discovered grace and discovered uh, you don't have to do this by works. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're saved by grace, and we remain saved by grace. Mm-hmm. We, we're not saved by grace and then remain saved by works. We're mm-hmm. saved by grace, mm-hmm. period. And and um, I wanted all the things I was learning in the Bible, uh, the beauty of who God really is, the truth of who Jesus really is, mm-hmm. especially in the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get on the mountaintop and scream to the Mormons and scream to the polygamists. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to do this. Jesus, you, you know? Come out, and, come out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and um and I just wanted to share it and I didn't know how. Yeah. I didn't know how to do it. I was a brand new Christian. I didn't even know what I was doing yet. Right. I mean, exactly because right. I was so new. But uh, God had put it on my heart at that time really to to want to to share the gospel with people from polygamy, especially also people from Mormonism, but also brand new Christians who were stumbling mm-hmm. in their new faith. Mm-hmm. And but he he went the long route. He didn't let that happen immediately. He went the long road, and I wasn't able to start the polygamy ministry until uh, several years later, mm-hmm. uh, when he had me very well trained. Um, mm-hmm. But what it is is a ministry that uh, we want to reach out to our culture. I live in Salt Lake City, right in in the Mormon capital of the world, Mm. and the polygamy capital as well. There's Mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of polygamists here. Mm. But uh, I wanted to reach out to them so that they would learn to trust the Bible, Mm -hmm. read it and trust it, not just quote it to back up their peculiar doctrine, Mm -hmm. but to trust what God said, what Mm -hmm. God really said. And then I wanted them to, to know that if they needed help to run away or mm-hmm. get out of polygamy, mm-hmm. that I would help them, and this ministry would help them. And we have helped several women leave. Mm. Um, 
But the, the most important thing is to bring biblical truths to polygamists. And God gave us the opportunity a year after we started the ministry to do a live television program, Mm -hmm. which scared the heck out of me. I had never done TV before, especially Mm -hmm. live television. Right. But it really was a breakthrough to get people's attention, Mm -hmm. and it lasted for seven years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the television station sold, Mm -hmm. and we continued doing our weekly videos, only we do it now on YouTube and, and through Roku TV and other places, right. uh, but mostly it is to inform polygamists and Mormons. Uh, God is our savior. Polygamy is not. Yeah, religion is not our savior. Jesus is. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome, and I would, I would highly encourage um, my listeners today to check out. Um, uh, Doris's YouTube channel, which is called What Love Is This? And I, I even love, I have to say, I love that title um, because as, um, you know, as somebody who had to learn more about what agape love is, that it is not conditional, that it never controls, um, but it invites and it's based off the truth in his word. I just love that title because God's love really is different from any love that we experience um, on earth because his love is the only completely pure agape love and we can't manufacture that. We have to receive it from him so that we can give it out to others. And so I just even love that title. Like what, you know, what amazing, like what love is this? And then, you know, comes from first John. First John chapter 3, where, where John writes, what manner of love is this that God has called us children of God? Yeah. If, if, uh, loving God will not command polygamy for salvation. No, no. And it, um, it is, and, and so that is just, um, your YouTube channel um, has been instrumental um, in my own life and just learning more about this. Um, and so I hope that you will check out Doris's YouTube channel and her ministry and we'll leave those links there. Um, I know that you, uh, have a heart to, um, about a Hagar house. Can you tell us more about that? Well, we wanted to have a facility where we would have plenty of room for Families, if families mm-hmm. left polygamy, mm-hmm. and polygamists have big families, they mm-hmm. have huge families, mm-hmm. and if a woman wanted to leave and she had several children, we wanted to have a facility that would be able to handle uh, more than one family, mm-hmm. or uh, or have a good selection of resources under the same roof. Um, mm-hmm. We have had that dream now for several years, and God has not fulfilled it at least as yet Uh and of course this last year with COVID has kind of settled a lot of things you know quieted things down yeah somewhat and we don't know what's going to happen when we finally get back up and running again right um we our interest was to be able to have a place to go for anybody who wanted to leave and escape from polygamy yes yes a safe place to go well, that's exciting, and it's, you know, the Lord is always bringing us um, into the next thing, um, and so I just will be praying that the Lord allows you to to see the birth of that, um, 
because that's that is beautiful. Um, can you share with our listeners too the name of um, there's one there's one video that you have and I can't remember the name of it now. I, it may even be Shield and Refuge, but where you tell your story. Um, it's on your YouTube channel, I know. Um, lifting the veil of polygamy. Lifting the veil. Yes, yeah. so that that's another good one. If if you want to hear Doris's story, and and there's some other stories um, on, on there as well. Um, and I, I just want to say uh, a couple of things in in closing. In this, um, when I first began talking with Doris before we started recording the podcast, I said to her, "It is amazing to me that." long ago that people were following Joseph Smith and followed, you know, Brigham Young or whatever across the country um, to accept this. And what Doris said to me, I I said, I don't understand how that can happen. And what Doris said was they were not familiar with the Bible. And this is why women, knowing the truth for yourself, through the word of God is so powerful because you can stand on that truth. And even today, um, uh, there are people that claim to be prophets and we must hold up everything that is said against the word of God um, because the Lord has told us to follow him and, uh, and not man. And I think that sometimes you know, we want to, um, there's, you know, inside the Bible, for example, when the Israelites uh, were begging for a king, um, begging the Lord for a king, it's like we want somebody with skin on to follow. We want like a leader or whatever. But I, I, I'll tell you women that we need to be grounded in the word so that we can know, be able to discern truth. And uh, Joseph Smith used, 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 God told me. And in fact, and I'll just go ahead and say this. If somebody says to me, God told me to tell you, it sends up like major (laughs) red flags everywhere. Just, you know, Um, and so, and, uh, but we, we need to spend time with the Lord and just saturate ourselves in truth so that we can know and discern what what is from the Lord. Um, So that's one thing that I will say. And then the other thing is uh, uh, that 1 John 4 and that Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, if you are already a child of God, don't ever let the enemy pull you back with guilt, um, demanding that you're no good because you're not perfect that we have that gift of grace and that we can, um, we can stand on that truth and, and, and just, just live it. And then uh, I will also say that we all need to understand that the Mormon church is not uh, teaching truth. And, and Doris, let me ask you this question. If somebody comes to my door, what would be a good question to ask them? Just to get them to think, if it, if a Mormon evangelist came to my door. Well, there's many different approaches. Of course, I use I usually use 
polygamy when I had that opportunity. Right. Because the early Mormon church taught it was required, and the Mormon church says now that if you live it, you will be excommunicated. So there, there's opposing views there, uh, and I'll usually go that route. But, but if you don't want to use polygamy or God leads you a different direction, one very important thing is to ask them who Jesus is. Now, they will say he's God's son, uh, he is the Savior, and he, he brought atonement to mankind. They'll use all of those biblical words, but mm-hmm. the Mormon Jesus is Satan's brother. What? <laughs> yes, he is Satan's yeah. spiritual brother. Uh-huh. They believe that mother that there's a mother and father in heaven, uh-huh. and they have spirit babies, and all those spirit babies are born on earth as humans. Uh-huh. And but the first spirit babies was the first spirit baby they had together was Jesus, uh-huh. and Lucifer is also one of their spirit babies. Oh and, my goodness! And all the demons. <laughs> I just wonder what so, God. It's like a... so we are brothers and sisters mm-hmm. to Lucifer and to all the demons mm-hmm. and to Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's just our elder brother. He mm-hmm. to them he is not God Almighty. Mm-hmm. He is not. Uh, the only existing God, mm-hmm. he has, he was created, he had a beginning. Mm-hmm. And so if you can establish that the Jesus they believe in is not the Jesus of the Bible, or at least have a conversation, mm-hmm. or, or put doubts in their minds about who their Jesus is, mm-hmm. because Lucifer's brother cannot save us. Right. Only God Almighty can save us. Yeah. And yeah. their Savior is Lucifer's brother. Wow. That's really scary. That's really scary. That's really scary. Yes, so, yes, well, I'll remember that and and be sure to use that if if they come if they come to my door. Um, but in the meantime, I will be praying to that the Lord grows your ministry and 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 friends when you want to be inspired and just reminded about the beauty of the grace of God. Um, and that we don't have to strive for per- for perfection. We're just pursuing Jesus in a relationship with Him, and God has already uh, uh, covered our sins with with His righteousness. And it's it's it is like every now and then I think that we need to go back and remember that because it is such a gift, you know. And and it is hard to wrap your head around. Um, that our sins are not counted against us, but they are. Um, Doris, thank you so much for joining us today and for all that you do. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share what God's done and will do in the lives of anyone who will trust him. Amen. Amen. Yes. Well, God, um, we are going to put the links to um, to Doris's uh, website and her YouTube channel uh, inside of our podcast description, so you'll be able to uh, go to those easily. Thanks so much for joining in, and remember, God is your shield and refuge, and he yeah. loves you with his perfect love, so you don't have to be. Thanks so much for joining in today, everybody. Bye-bye.